Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who is an experienced mover. I'm sure next time I have to move to a different apartment, he'll help me out. Brandon Siegel, how you doing? I'm doing quite well. I, I, I'm at the point I'm moving everyone all the time. I got a ton of friends moving this week. I, I, I just helped a podcast alum, Josh Baskin, move um, this past or this weekend, uh, Friday and Saturday. A lot of moving, a lot of building stuff. It's been quite fun. Um, and I got more moves coming up to help people with. Uh, so a lot, lot going on in the moving department. You know, life happens, Trevor. Life happens. We are without the third member of our podcast today, Ben O'Brien. Uh, I think we're all pretty sad about that. Um, but that's okay. Uh, we'll get him back next week. But Trevor, we're, we're losing you next week on our podcast. Yeah, I know. It's very sad. I'm going to be gone for a little bit. So I'm going to miss one of these. I'm going to miss one episode of this podcast. I'm going to miss one episode of Five Seconds of Fame, which... Both of them, it's it's very upsetting in general. You know, I don't like the miss. It's a deep loss for us. Yeah. Big loss. I don't like the miss content. I, I like to talk about these things, obviously. That's why we do it. Like, I love talking about sports. Love talking about reality TV. Uh, it's just great. So, you know. I, I think you, Trevor, have collectively missed almost zero episodes. It might be like one. I missed, I missed a few, you know. I missed a few here and there. I mean, hey, we've we've been podcasting for for three years here. We we've missed very few. We took one break one time, uh, in the holidays in 2019, I think maybe it was 2020, um, mm-hmm. and uh, that's really the only break we've ever had from from content. We've we've been, we push out content every week. Yes, sir. Consistency is key. And uh, of course, consistency is key. And I think we do a pretty. Pretty solid job of it, but you know, let's get into this episode today. It's gonna be a little bit of a shorter one, uh, but but that's okay. You know, it's, we got one last member, a little lighter episode. Um, but don't you worry, we had five seconds of fame start last week. Uh, we had Big Brother twenty four season just start, so please go subscribe to that podcast, give it a listen. Uh, we had two episodes that happened last week. We we went over the premiere episode, uh, which happened on Wednesday. Which if you've missed the premiere, that's the only episode that's been out, and we got one more tonight, uh, Sunday the tenth. Uh, July 10th. So, you only missed one episode. Go listen to that. You can listen to our draft. We drafted before the episode. We had the premiere episode, and we'll come out next Thursday with another, or I guess Friday morning, with another episode going over this past week. Uh, so please stay tuned for that. Very exciting stuff. Um, but like I said, let's get into this episode here. Let's start off. We had a nice little, uh, trade for the Cleveland Browns. We got a lot of Cleveland fans, uh, as Trevor, me and you were both from Cleveland, listening to this podcast. Uh, the Browns traded Baker Mayfield to the Carolina Panthers for a conditional fifth-round pick in 2024. If he pay- plays over 70% of games, wait, I think it's 70% of games. Let me confirm. Yes, 70% of snaps. Um, then it will turn into a fourth-round pick. Uh, the Browns are taking on 10.5 million of his salary. Baker Mayfield has ended up getting paid by the Panthers 4.85 million, and only 3 million of that will be actually against the cap. Uh, so, Trevor, your thoughts on Baker Mayfield finally finding his landing spot on the Carolina Panthers? Yeah, so we b- briefly talked about this before the podcast, and you made some, you know, some good points. I'm sure you're gonna, you know, uh, talk about it more. But I-, I think, you know, obviously the Baker Mayfield Browns relationship, it was definitely like severed. It was kind of like, you know, uh, there wasn't really a good uh, uh, makeup, I guess, there for him to kind of return to the Browns and you know potentially play for them. Um, so this was this was evident. It was just a matter of when uh, Baker was going to find a new team, when another team would want to uh, take him on, whether it was the Panthers, the Seahawks, or someone else. So 
The Panthers decided to do so here. Like you said, um, they will only have to pay $3 million against the salary cap. So as far as value, right, you're getting Baker Mayfield. He's one of the best 20, 22 quarterbacks in the league, 24 quarterbacks in the league, something like that. So you get him for about $3 million. He's better than Sam Darnold, in my opinion. Um, and I think for a lot of people, I think he's better than Sam Darnold. Um, so he's the best option they have. He's now the best quarterback on their roster. So in that sense, it's good for the Panthers. Like they will now in theory be a better team immediately this year, adding Baker Mayfield. However, the Panthers, they're in a weird situation. Um, and and it's kind of hard to figure out how they can kind of dig their way out and eventually get into a spot where they can compete. I think they're definitely, uh, at least a few years away from that, probably a few years away from even making the playoffs, honestly. Um, although things can change pretty fastly in the NFL, you know, so you never know. But the Panthers, they were in this phase where they got Sam Darnold from the Jets. It seemed like they really believed in him. I did not. I was never really a Sam Darnold believer, but they thought, okay, this could be the quarterback of our future. He's a young guy. Like, we think we have the, the coaching staff to help Sam Darnold become the franchise quarterback that we envision for this team. And they kind of take other moves, they make other moves, take other steps to get in a position where they can make the playoffs compete and maybe even win a Super Bowl. You know, they go, they get Stephon Gilmore, one of the best cornerbacks in the league. They pay a decent amount of money to get him. Uh, they make a couple other moves that they're, tr- that, you know, ideally would put them in a position to at least make the playoffs. However, they've been bad. Um, you know, pretty much every year here, they still have had trouble. They were obviously not very good last year. Their record last year was 5-12, and 12, so obviously not good. They were the worst in the division. Um, so this move's interesting. It's like, okay, so what is the play here? Is the play that they're going to start Mayfield to try to be as good as possible? Do they still think he can be good? Or is it, again, a little bit more of a just like, you know, we have multiple options here. We have the Darnold option still. We have the Mayfield option. And we have Matt Corral, this third-round quarterback that we picked, who he could also be the future. So it's like, maybe it's like a wait and see. We have different options. And then depending on, you know, what we see this season from these quarterbacks, how they play, then that will help us decide on our direction because the Panthers currently don't really have a clear-cut direction. They're not saying oh, we're going to be bad, we're going to try to get the best draft pick. They're not saying that. They're not saying, I mean, clearly, none of these quarterbacks currently are one of the best 5, 10 quarterbacks that can help you win a Super Bowl. They don't have their roster to compete for a Super Bowl. So that's not the path, that's not the direction either. So it's somewhere in the middle. And, and I'm interested to see where this goes from here. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think... There's two main things to point out about this trade. Number one is Baker's going to Carolina for almost free. I mean, four, five million dollars uh, to pay, uh, you know, a, a top thirty quarterback in the league. I, I someone even argued top twenty quarterback in the league for one season, while also having Donald and Corral. Uh, Corral they drafted this year. Donald they got last year. I think is a really good idea. They diversify their options here and allow where mistakes can be made. Uh, amongst these quarterbacks. I think Baker gives you the most stability, though. You know, Baker's going to be the guy that comes in. He's not going to win 15 games, but he might, you know, uh, he'll play all right in every game. Corral is definitely the riskier option, but they drafted him this year, and I, I, if I were the Panthers, I'm playing Corral. However, 
Baker allows this option. He's a, he's a cheap backup quarterback, essentially. Um, and if he starts, he's the cheapest starting quarterback outside of rookie players. Um, so I I really think the Panthers did a good job with this. The Browns maybe could have gotten like a little bit more. Um, I said on the podcast about the Seattle trade that um, it was along the lines of like if Seattle wanted Baker and wanted to give picks up, they would have to give up. Like let's say they gave up a fourth round pick for Baker they would get like a seventh in Baker back, which essentially equals the compensation that was here. About a month ago on the podcast, I talked about how I'd give Baker up for a fifth round pick. So it actually seems like that they got marginally more than I thought, but uh, Jason at Over the Cap, uh, who's just a salary expert, he worked for the Ravens a long time ago, um, talked about how he thought that Baker could they could have gotten a little bit more for Baker. So I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, let's see he plays well. They can extend him, get rid of Darnold, Corral could be the backup quarterback, and can mold behind him. Um, so I really like this for the Panthers. I think they did a good job um, on this trade. The Browns took an enormous amount of the salary, which for the Browns doesn't really matter. They have a lot of uh, salary cap remaining. Even taking $10 million, they got some of his cap back. The Browns have over $20 million current cap space available um, to deal with for this season. So they're going to be signing some more players for sure. Overall, I think this is a really good trade for the Panthers. I think they came out very solid. I think the Browns, honestly, came out pretty decent too. Um, but we'll have to see going into next year. Um, let's, let's keep on moving. We're going to exit the NFL. Maybe we'll go back in a little bit. Um, and Trevor, we had Damian Lillard sign an insane contract extension. I want you to break it down for the fans at home. Two years, $122 million extension with the Portland Trailblazers. What do you think about this? Yeah, so, I mean, it, it became, you know, pretty clear that Damian Lillard was going to remain with the Blazers. Um, you know, he's one of these guys that is really all about loyalty, and he said that over the years multiple times, and he stuck to it. Now, you know, at, at times, did he probably think about, you know, it would be nice to maybe go somewhere else, compete for a championship? Probably. He probably had those thoughts. He probably had some conversations about that. But ultimately, I think he does really value being a part of the Trailblazers franchise. And I think one of the things that he said is that, uh, you know, if he were to potentially, I don't know, I think he was asked a question about, like, if he were to go somewhere else. And I think he talked about how winning a title wouldn't be as fulfilling elsewhere if he were to do it as it would be in Portland. It would definitely be by far the most fulfilling in Portland, which makes a lot of sense. You know, he's been there for his whole career. Um, I think he came out of draft, I think it was like uh, 2012, I want to say. So he's been there about 10, 11-ish years now. So, you know, he's been there for a while. Um, and I think for the Blazers, yes, this is a lot of money, like $60 million on, you know, average per year. It's a lot. But for the Blazers, like, what else were they going to do? I guess you could say, well, okay, so they could have, you know, they, they could have let him go. They could go the move where they take a big step backwards. They go, they try to get really good draft picks, and they completely start from zero. And yes, that's that's a play that I wouldn't necessarily say is the wrong play necessarily um, because what they have now is you have Damian Lillard, you have Anthony Simons, you have Josh Hart, uh, you have Yusuf Nurkic still, you go out and get Jeremy Grant. So you have some decent pieces, but what's the ceiling on this team? And I think ultimately with the other teams in the West, the ceiling isn't high enough to compete with some of these top teams, unfortunately. It's not high enough to compete with a Golden State, 
Uh, you know, if the Clippers are healthy, it's probably not. It, I don't think it's as good as that team. Uh, Memphis, obviously, we saw how good they were last year. You know, you have Dallas even. So you have four, five, at least six teams probably that are ahead of the curve uh, compared to Portland here. And if you're Portland, you're doing all of this to try to compete and you end up as the seven seed again, which, you know, I think that's probably in the range of where they'll be, like a seven or an eight seed. It's hard to make a case that that's worth it. Now, obviously, I'm a little biased here. I love Damian Lillard. He's my favorite player. So if I'm in the situation that Portland's in, I have a player who's so loyal to us, it would be very, very difficult for me to just say, like, you know what? We're going to start over without you, our franchise player, mm-hmm. a guy who I still believe, um, you know, when he returns healthy as a top 10 player in the NBA. It's very hard to do that. So it's just a really tough position for Portland to be in. And you can even add in the fact that Portland's not necessarily a free agent destination. So it's a lot of, a lot of tough factors here for Portland. And ultimately, I would, have done, I would have done the same thing. I would have also given Dame the money. But that's just me. I, I totally understand anyone who says that they shouldn't have, honestly. I I really don't. I mean, what are you not going to give Damian Lillard a big contract? He's one of the best players in the NBA. And even if you guys aren't good, if you don't sign him, then you're just tanking like yeah. that. And that's fine Like if that's what they want to do. But they made the playoffs. You know, imagine if they, they get a couple good draft picks. Maybe they can sign one other big free agent, like uh, someone, you know, maybe a big man to pair with him. Um, it could have been a really, really good... Uh, you know, time there in Portland. Um, obviously, they, I mean, look, they're not going to win a championship. I don't know how you don't sign Damian Lillard. It just doesn't make sense to me. Um, so, I, I, I get it. I would have signed them. I mean, he only played in, what, 30 games last season? Um, so, you know, he plays a full season. They probably finish a little bit better than they did. Yeah. Again, not going to win a championship with just him over there. Um, but I don't see how you don't sign him. It doesn't make a whole right. lot of sense to me. And I think the only other thing I would add, and is another, I guess is another kind of tipping point for me saying like, yes, you have to resign Dame, you have to do this, is like I, there's definitely value as a fan base when you have a player to root for like Damian Lillard who's that loyal. I mean, Blazers, Blazers fans absolutely love Damian Lillard. They love him. He's brought them to a conference finals. He's, it's not like he's going downhill by any means. He's still a top 10 player. He just happened to have an injury last year, the year before. Uh, and I think people forget how insanely great he was in their playoff series um, against the Denver Nuggets. Uh, not this past year, but the year before that, 2021, uh, when Damian Lillard consistently was putting up like 40 points. I think he had like a 51-point game. I think he averaged around like 36, 37 points in that playoff series. And I remember watching those games just being in awe because it was an absolute battle between him and Jokic. And I think Jokic, Jokic had the better supporting cast. The Nuggets won the series. Um, but it was like, man, can we please get Damian Lillard some more help? I just I want him to be in a position where he can compete and the Blazers have to be able to find a way here to kind of navigate and get better pieces to put around Dame uh, to compete. So, you know, they've done a couple things. They haven't made any major splashes, but Jeremy Grant, that is at least a little bit of an improvement there. You have Josh Hart, Nurkic, and again, Nurkic, he's another good player, but Nurkic is another guy where, like, the injury history is there. He, you know, it seems like he has some sort of minor thing almost every season. So, you know, you, you just got to hope that they're healthy, and um, you got to kind of run with it uh, here for Portland. Yeah, I mean, again, we'll have to wait and see. 
uh, how Portland will do. Um, but I'm, I mean, I'm not expecting a championship run, but I do expect them to be good. But you know, another way to get really good, Trevor, uh, is to, you know draft some good young talent. And we actually got to see the new draftees play. This past weekend in the NBA Summer League. Pretty good segue right there, Trevor. What did you think? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, um, so, Trevor, give me some of your thoughts. We've only had you know, a couple days of Summer League. Uh, I've been awfully busy this weekend, so I want to hear your thoughts uh, on some of the players that we got to see. I know, I know Chet Holmgren's been insane. We saw Paulo Bencharo, uh, Ricciaro, how do you pronounce his name? Uh, Bancaro. Um, he looked really good in a couple games that I saw a stat line. What are some of your thoughts on some of these rookies? Yeah, so I think we have to start with Chet Holmgren. Um, in his, I believe this was his summer league debut against the Utah Jazz. Um, he was he was really good. Uh, he had an awesome stat line: twenty three points. Uh, he had six blocks, seven rebounds, four assists, one steal. Um, just doing a little bit of everything. And he shot, and he made four threes, made four out of the six he took. So just overall a fabulous game. Um, I didn't get to watch a ton of the game. Um, but, you know, seeing the highlights, he had a little uh, Dirk one-legged step back. He had, you know, between legs cross, pull up for a three. Like, he was just showing the whole bag. And it didn't really resemble um, the guy at Gonzaga that was a little bit more limited. Uh, and what he could do within just what the Gonzaga offense was, what, you know, the type of stuff they would run. It was more of, you know, he had more freedom, right? It was more of the high school Chet, as a lot of people said. And it was, you know, again, it's summer league. So, as always, don't overreact to summer league. However, you know, a lot of people were talking about how they thought this was one of the better summer league performances ever uh, from mm-hmm. a player in this performance Chet Holmgren had. So really impressive. Again, I've I've been high on Chet the whole time. Um, you know, I had him number two on my I guess big board you could call it. I had him number two behind Jabari, but again, it's so close. And there's so much potential with Chet as we've talked about. Um, so it's just going to be exciting to to watch him going forward. And that's really for me. Like when I watch summer league, again, you know, it's not about like saying oh like he had this performance, therefore he's going to be incredible. It's just like exciting to see. Um, you know, what they can do, um, and then just, you know, just, like, kind of having fun. How do they come in this atmosphere? Do they look comfortable? Um, and, you know, kind of stuff like that. Uh, how are they playing with their teammates? Are they, you know, like, some players, they come in as a rookie, and I think Paolo actually, you know, I think he was, like, mic'd up in one of the games, so you had, you could hear, like, some of the sounds, but, like, some of these players as rookies, they start to, like, take on leadership roles, like, almost immediately. They're just kind of, like, they're they're that like that's just who they are as a person like they're like a natural born leader and we see that with certain guys that that's kind of what I what I thought of Kate Cunningham last year actually and so it's interesting to see that type of stuff so I really like in summer league when they have some of these guys mic'd up because I think that's pretty cool just to see as well and even just like you know post game interviews pre game interviews I love seeing that kind of stuff and then the game is really about you know it's exciting it's fun um, you know let's see how these guys look. Um, you know, in a situation where they probably have more freedom than they had in their, uh, you know, their college environment. So that's really good. Um, another player we could talk about is Keegan Murray. Keegan Murray had uh, a couple really good performances. He had 26 points uh, in one of his games for the Sacramento Kings. He had another really good performance as well. So Keegan Murray, uh, to start off playing really well in Summer League, that's really good to see as I am a big Keegan Murray fan. So that's exciting there. Um Let's see. Who else do we got here? We have 
uh, Paolo Bancaro, we could mention him. Paolo Bancaro, obviously, you know, doing, I think, what we expected, honestly. Like, he's he's out there. He's scoring at all three levels. Um, and Paolo, like, uh, you know, you watch him at Duke, and you can already tell, like, man, like, this guy, he can create all this offense for himself, and he's, like, big. Like, he's, like, 6'10". I don't know how much he weighs. Two, two. 25 230 he's actually he's probably like 235 maybe 240 even so Paolo he's like big and he's able to just create all this offense he has a good handle and it's just so impressive the fact that he can do all that um you know being a guy who also can shoot over you know pretty much anyone because he is 6'10 so he's very impressive to watch there um, and then I guess you know when, when I was talking about Chet I could have talked about his teammate Josh Giddy, who Josh Giddy a second-year player, I can't count how many uh, Josh Giddy passing highlights I've seen on Twitter, on YouTube, uh, because it's literally every game, and it's multiple times a game. Josh Giddy's making a no-look pass in stride to his teammate for a dunk, uh, you know, behind the back, throwing it uh, cross-court. It's just, like, so impressive, uh, his passing skills, and Josh Giddy clearly, um, as a guy who's coming in, into his second year now, um, you know, has definitely made a lot of improvements. So that's really good to see. Uh, from him uh, let's see anyone else here I mean we did get to see Jabari a couple times um, you know Jabari not standing out quite as much as maybe you would have you would like to see but again this is summer league last night him and Chet faced off I think they both had about 12 points both had a decent amount of rebounds so decent games from them uh, but yeah you know summer league's fun I look forward to I look forward to watching some some summer league today I'm probably gonna uh, tune in for a couple of these games because we have some good ones. Um, I really want to see Ben Matherin play. Uh, he, you know, he's arguably my favorite player in this draft. So they play the Kings today um, in a few hours. So that's going to be an interesting one. Keegan Murray, Ben Matherin face off. And we have a lot of other games on today and, you know, throughout the week. I think Summer League is through. On my ESPN app, it says Friday, but I think they go into like a sort of like playoff thing. Um, so I think it's going to last at least another week or so after that. Um, so it's going to be interesting to continue to see uh, these guys just go out there, put on performances, you know, entertain the crowd, have fun. And, uh, you know, for a lot of these players, you know, you know, a lot of these fans are getting to see them for the first time. You know, when you're a Oklahoma City Thunder fan and you've never seen Jalen Williams from Santa Clara, I'm sure that's very fun uh, to see him play uh, out there for the first time. So Summer League's really fun. Yes, of course it is. And we'll, uh, I guess we'll just keep on moving along here, get to kind of our main topic. And this is going to be one of our longer stretching series uh, that we're about to do here. So starting today, if we if we timed it out correctly, which Trevor, I believe you did mm-hmm. time it out correctly, we are going to go through every single division in the NFL, do a preview for this upcoming NFL season, and then end with uh, our uh, conference previews at the end, which should equate to 10 episodes of main topics, correct? I think we have nine, actually. So I think that last one might have to be just the entire NFL, um, the way I was looking at it on the calendar. So I think we have nine episodes. All right. Oh, that's fine. We'll figure it out. We can go over previews together that episode. It'll just be a longer one. But today we are starting that off, and we are starting um, in, Trevor, you're one of your favorite divisions, it seems like. Probably not anymore, because Tom Brady left. But we are going to start in the AFC East. Um, and this is... Honestly, Trevor, this is a pretty competitive conference at this point in time. You know, after Brady left the Patriots' domination, 
uh, fell a little bit. The Bills have claimed uh, the conference and done really, really well. But we see the Dolphins making moves for Tariq Hill. Um, they drafted a young quarterback, Tua Tagovailoa, of course. Uh, the, G- the Jets have been rebuilding for 15 years, uh, but maybe they're close to the end of that. And the Patriots had a really good last year last year with Mac Jones. So anything can happen in this division, it seems like, Trevor. So why don't you start us off? Let's start going through these teams um, and discussing a little bit about this division and our thoughts. Yeah, so, so we can go team by team. Let's start with the Bills because I think we probably both agree that the Bills are the favorites, should be the favorite. We're, yes. we're likely going to both pick them to win the division. Am I am I right on that? Yes. So let's. Yeah, I, I think they're the best team in football. I, I think they probably are too, to be honest. So the Bills, you know, the Bills look obviously like they're going to be very good. That obviously all starts with Josh Allen, who uh, we both agree, I think, is at least a top four quarterback, if not higher. Uh, we love Josh Allen. We lo- love what he can do uh, on the move, passing, you know, even the running. We saw that a little bit in the playoffs last year. Um, and I remember weirdly, like, obviously the Bills didn't win the Super Bowl, but I remember, like, leaving that Chiefs game, um, and then we saw, like, how the Bengals-Chiefs game played out. We saw how the rest of the playoffs played out, but I was like, man, the Bills, yes, they lost in the division around to the Chiefs, but the Bills, if one play, two plays go different, the Bills easily could have beaten the Chiefs and went on to win the Super Bowl. Like, I, that, I think that easily could have happened. I don't know. What, what do you think about that, Brandon? Do you think, like, if, if just, again, like, because everything, especially in that Bills-Chiefs game, there were so many possessions. Like, if you just look like this play goes another way, this play, like, is like a drop pass, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, the Bills' defense plays a little bit better on the play that went to Travis Kelsey. Like, easily, that could have went another way. And then if you got Bills-Bengals, again, Ben's on the podcast, I'm not trying to slander the Bengals, but I kind of think the Bills would have beat them. And maybe the Bills beat the Rams, too. I, I don't know. you have anything to say on that? Yeah, I mean, the rule changed. The, the overtime OT rules changed, yeah. literally, because of that game. I mean, it was a horrible rule in the first place. Um, but look, the, the Bills, in terms of this upcoming season, they, they're, they're going to be my favorite to win it all. Uh, I, I think they're a really, really, really complete team. And last year, what's crazy is they had injuries. Like, it's not even like they were really that healthy. They were, they were healthy, but not crazy healthy. Um, obviously, Josh Allen, one of the best quarterbacks in the game. Stephon Diggs is fabulous. If they can really lock down a core running back, um, tighten up the O-line a little bit, um, stay healthy in the secondary, this team's going to be unstoppable. They really will be, Trevor. Yeah, and I mean, just looking at like some of the you know most interesting things about the Bills, like there is... You know, Tredavis White, right, like he's working his way back from the torn ACL. So the cornerback, that's going to be something you look at for the Bills and you say like, eh, maybe this is a concern at first, right? They did take uh, Keir Elam. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. But uh, they have him. They also got a seventh-round cornerback as well. So they have a couple people here that they've got in there to potentially replace him for now. But I think that's just going to be something to watch out for. We'll see when Davis White comes back. We know how important he was uh, to the Bills last year for sure. Um, but I think this is a pretty well-rounded team. You know, like, th- they obviously have their quarterback. They have some interesting weapons for him um, at the receiver position, obviously, at the running back position. Um, you know, I- I've seen, like, I've read some stuff talking about, like, maybe they need more on the interior offensive line, right? Protecting Josh Allen, obviously, offensive line. We know how important that is. Uh, you know, Ben's not on the podcast to talk about 
how important offensive line is. So I will do it, uh, you know, to make up for that. Offensive line is very critical. Um, so obviously that's something that you want to watch out for if you're a Bills fan for sure. But by all accounts, the Bills, you know, they're going to win the division. I don't really see uh, how one of these other teams will talk about it, but I think it's going to be pretty tough here. I, I really like everything that the Bills are doing. Um, they just got to kind of uh, tighten up the edges here um, to kind of figure it out. Now, the only other thing that you can mention here is the Bills did win their division. Therefore, you know, you look at their schedule, and it's kind of tough, right? Like, they open with the Rams, uh, then they go Titans, uh, Dolphins, and Ravens. So you look at, like, the first four games, and you can say, okay, like, there's some tough games. And then you can even go to the next three, Steelers, Chiefs, Packers. So it's like first seven, you're looking at that, like, there's some tough games here for the Bills. Now, ultimately, I I just, I think we both really believe in the Bills. We believe in Josh Allen. We believe in uh, this roster. So they're going to win a fair amount of those games. Um, but that's just something to keep out, keep an eye out for. Like, yes, they do have a tough schedule. Uh, they have a gaunt, kind of a gauntlet here at certain points. And you mentioned the AFC East seems to be getting a little more competitive. We're going to talk about the other three teams. But the AFC East here, you know, it's, you know, there are certainly better divisions, but I think the AFC East is pretty decent. It's a pretty decent division. Uh, the win total that I am seeing, I just wanted to mention this on uh, Vegas Insider. This was as of two days ago. The Bills are at 11.5. So, you know, mm -hmm. the highest number in the division. I would say a pretty fair number overall, but, you know, uh, especially with the tough schedule. But even with the tough schedule, I honestly still kind of lean over. I just really believe in this Bills team. So 11.5 with that number, I'm kind of leaning over on that. What do you think about that, Brandon? I I don't know. I feel like 11.5 is a good number. I could see an 11 or a 12 here. Uh, I feel like 11 seems pretty reasonable. So I, I'll go on the under. I, I'm not just saying that to be different. Uh, I, I actually think 11.5 is a really well-placed amount. Some of these teams, and we'll go through, I don't think are nearly as good. Um, but 11.5, I, I feel like it's pretty fair. Um, so so I'll go under. I'll say 11. Um, I still think they win the division. I think they're going to have a really good shot at winning everything, you know, winning it all. Um, but, yeah, I think that's that's the Bills. Let's uh, let's keep it moving on to our next team. Let's go over to the Miami Dolphins because this this is, I think, the most interesting team um, in, in the division. The Dolphins uh, had a lot of cap room, and they, they used it. Uh, obviously, they picked up. Tariq Hill, uh, which will be a wonderful piece. That that receiving core with Tariq Hill and Jalen Waddle and Mike Gesicki, really, really good. Um, so I, I'm very excited to see how that offense plays uh, with those guys. I don't think Tariq Hill is going to be as good as he was with Patrick Mahomes, but Tua Tagovailoa has every shot to be amazing in this offense. Uh, the defense, to me, is going to be the, the question. Um, can they compete against the top teams in the NFL. Um, and, you know, they lost both games last year against Buffalo, um, where Buffalo scored a lot of points. So the defense is going to be the question. Can the defense keep up? I'm not 100% sure about that. Trevor, what are, what are some of your thoughts on the Dolphins? Yeah, so the offense certainly looks like it's going to be better, right? Like, it, it absolutely should be. Um, the Dolphins last year, they won nine games, so they were nine and eight. And... You know, they didn't have the best start necessarily, but they really went on, on a run uh, toward the end there. They kind of made a run at it, so the Dolphins ended up being a pretty decent team. Um, and, you know, this is a situation now where, like you said, they get Tyreek Hill. They have Jalen Waddle, who 
another year of experience, another year to improve. Um, potentially, we could see a little bit of a jump for Jalen Waddle. Um, this is the year where there's no more excuses for Tua Tagovailoa, and I think we might have talked about that before. But it's true, right? Like, if Tua is the guy, if he's going to be your franchise quarterback, he has you know a really good receiving core. Um, you know, as far as like offensive line, running backs, like it's it's not terrible. Um, I I don't necessarily know if it's quite as good as the receiving core, but the re- having that kind of receiving core there for Tua, that's where it's like you're going to get your answer if he's the guy, if he's a guy that can get you to the playoffs. Like they, they should be a, they should in theory be a playoff team this year. I know the AFC's tough, but if Tua is going to be like a really good quarterback, they got to make the playoffs this year. Um, so I like the offense. I think they will be better um, on offense. Now defense is a little more the question because you look at a lot of the different spots on the roster. There's definitely question marks there. And then you can even add the coaching piece of this where they lose Brian Flores, who Brian Flores is like the ultimate defensive coach. He's one of the best coaches, particularly when it comes to defense, over the last 10, 15 years. Obviously, you know, with the Patriots, I I saw that. I know that firsthand. Brian Flores is incredible. So losing him, you know, I don't know, bringing in Mike McDaniel, we'll see how is the, you know, defense going to be. I wouldn't be surprised if the defense take, took a step back and got worse. It's been really good uh, overall for the past couple years, but I I could see a situation where the defense gets worse, the offense gets better, and overall it ends up kind of evening out. And you know the Dolphins were nine and eight last year. That might be uh, a decent prediction, honestly, for them. And if I go over to the win total, uh, their win total is eight and a half. So you know it's pretty much right on. But that's kind of how I see the Dolphins. I think offensively, they're going to get better, assuming they're healthy, assuming Tua plays all 17 games. Their offense is going to be better. I think they can put up some points. Defensively, I think there's they're going to be worse. So I kind of think it averages out, and I think they're right around that 8-9 game mark. Yeah, I, I'm going to go over. Uh, they're at 8.5, eight like you said. I think they win at least nine. I mean, they won nine last year, and they added Tariq Hill. I feel like Tariq Hill can balance out at least one more game. Um, so I'll, I'll go over for sure on their guess. Um, and I, I think that's honestly not even a, that bad of a bet. Um, but, you know, as I say quite often, we'll have to see. The Dolphins definitely are a big question mark collectively. Um, next up, let's go to the Patriots. Uh, the Patriots, to me, got worse. I, I, I think the Patriots overall did not do quite as well in free agency and drafting. The draft picks were quite weird. Cole Strange was an odd first-round pick. He was mocked in, like, early third round, late second round. Uh, pretty pretty weird pick, uh, in my opinion. I, I think that they have, uh, you know, a, a lot of needs, especially in that second level on defense. Um, outside linebacker and linebacker is going to be a big big need and putting talent around Mac Jones is going to be a big need um however Bill Belichick always seems to kind of have things going together um JC Jackson was a huge loss he went to the Chargers and a big deal which the Chargers will be a fun team to talk about that whole conf- or division is going to be fun to talk about whenever we get to it um but I really do think the the Patriots have more of an uphill battle this year uh to me they feel like they're the third best team in the division um, but I think that's a big range. I could see this team winning six games anywhere up to 10 games. Um, so a lot of question marks. How much can Mac Jones improve from last year? 
Um, so we'll have to see with them. It's going to be quite interesting. Uh, Trevor, what do you think about the Patriots? Your maybe favorite team, who knows? <laughs> yeah, uh, my favorite team. Yes, they are. Um, so the Patriots, I mean, the draft wasn't great, right? The draft wasn't great. I can't act no. like it was. Um, it, it was not good. And the Patriots have had, you know, they, they've had a run of drafts here overall. And, yes, like last year the draft was good because obviously they got Mac Jones. You know, they get some other pieces. The, last year's draft was good. This year's not quite as good. And overall the past five-plus years they haven't drafted quite as well as they did um, in years before that. In, like, the, the 2000s, early 2010s where they, they had good drafts, then – you know, around the 2015 range is around around the point where the draft started to trend in a negative direction. Um, now, yes, they lose J.C. Jackson, obviously a huge loss. Um, however, they did get back uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Malcolm Butler. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just messing around on that. They did get Malcolm Butler back. Um, they got, you know, Terrence Mitchell as well. Um, so they got some veterans. They, they did draft a couple cornerbacks there. We'll have to see how it plays out. I think it's just kind of a question mark there. Obviously, you have a guy, a known commodity, and uh, J.C. Jackson, who's obviously an awesome cornerback. It's and obviously the Chargers got better. Well, like you said, we'll talk about them. But the other, you know, there's other questions there on the roster with the Patriots linebacker. They still haven't really done anything to to address this need at linebacker. They still haven't really done it. And it, it's it's unfortunate. Um, if we go to the offensive side of the ball, obviously a lot of this is going to depend on Mac Jones. How much is he going to improve? Uh, a lot of a lot of photos surfacing uh, of Mac Jones. You know, Mac Jones looking uh, looking jacked. May, some may say Mac Jones looking like he's in great shape. He's ready to go. Um, we'll see. I don't know. There's a lot of like, like slightly in a joking tone, obviously I listen to Bill, the Bill Simmons podcast, I listen to other people talk about the Patriots pretty often, so, you know, this is kind of like a running joke about how Mac Jones is looking, uh, like he's in some great shape, I don't know. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll have to see how that goes, obviously, you know, the running backs, they have a pretty solid running back uh, situation they did last season, I like that, uh, Damien Harris, I like how that situation's going there with the running back, the offensive line. And then at the receiver position, it's interesting because the Patriots have no, they don't have a standout number one receiver, right? Like you look at a lot of these teams, the Dolphins, they have Tyreek Hill. You go to uh, the Bills, they have Diggs. You go to, uh, I mean, the well, Travis Kelsey's technically, I guess, tight end, but he's plays a lot of receivers. So they have Travis Kelsey. You, you go down the board, you look at all these teams, they have like these signature wide receivers. Uh, Devontae Adams now going to the Raiders. The Patriots don't have that signature number one receiver. However, they do have a lot of guys that are, you know, number twos or number threes. So they have like, they have like two number two receivers and like three number three receivers or something like that. They have a lot of guys who are decent at the receiver position. I mean, Kendrick Bourne, I'm a big fan of his. Uh, personally, he, he might turn into their best receiver, honestly. I really like him. Um, you got Nikhil Harry. Devontae Parker, like they have a lot of different Jacoby Myers like options there that are decent. No one that's amazing, but they have a lot of decent options. So for me with the Patriots, um, it, I think you look on their roster, you would say they'll probably get worse. I mean, they were 10-7 last year. However, 
again, if Mac Jones just improves, if he becomes a better quarterback, um, because I think there's a lot of room to improve there. He didn't start the year off that well last season. He got better as the year went along. So if he starts the year well this year, you could argue that the Patriots could be just as good. But um, I, I don't totally, I don't really disagree with you much. Uh, there's a lot of questions here for the Patriots. Um, I think the Dolphins and Patriots are still very close, though. I, I, w- I don't know. I'm not even sure who I think is second and who I think is third. I think the Dolphins, roster-wise, are more talented. So on paper, they should be the second-best team in the AFC East. But, I mean, you know, Bill Belichick, coaching staff, the stability, I could easily see the Patriots still being the second-best team. So I think it's, it's a tough call there. And I guess, I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't even have a pick. I guess the Dolphins have more talent, and I guess talent tends to win out, so I guess I'll go Dolphins second. But it's really a toss-up for me, to be honest. Well, I'll tell you this much, Trevor. I think we know who is last place in this division, and that is the New York Jets. Uh, they got holes all over this team from a super, super thin uh, depth chart. Not a lot of uh, depth on this team. Uh, you got defensive holes in the secondary. Uh, you have a brand new rookie quarterback or brand new rookie running back with a rookie quarterback who did not play so well. Uh, who they don't have a lot of options in the receiving core, tight end package. The offensive line has questions. I love Mike Mikel Becton or Mackay Becton, excuse me. Um, but will he be starting at left tackle? We don't know. Um, so th- this team is quite a ways away. I made a joke. They've been rebuilding for 15 years. It feels like 45. I don't even know what to think with this team uh, and how many wins I think they'll have, but it's not going to be many. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so the Jets here, we have them here. They went 4-13 and last season, uh, looking at their over-under uh, on Vegas, which I didn't mention the Patriots. The Patriots were also at 8.5, just like the Dolphins, which sounds about right to me. I think that's a pretty good number. Uh, the Jets are at 5.5, which a lot of people are, you know, there's a little bit of Jets hype. I, I saw... I think it's died down a little bit, but I remember seeing it right after the draft uh, because the Jets did have a good draft. You know, they did. Um, So there was some Jets hype about there. People seem to think that they're definitely going to improve, which, you know, they were 4-13. and So will they improve? I think there's a decent shot they will improve, right? (laughs) They're 4-13. and Um, However, the Jets have been kind of a mess for so long now. I mean, the last time they've really had a, you know, a significant season, I think, was 2012 uh, with Mark Sanchez when they did beat the Patriots in the playoffs, unfortunately. That was kind of their last, um, I guess, really good year. Um, so that's, that's about 10, 11 years now that the Jets have been like pretty much terrible. Um, so we'll see. Obviously, the, you look at the organization – the coaching staff, well, ma- mainly the organization. Again, like the coaching staff, it's second year for the head coach. Um, but the organization, year after year, has proven to be, uh, I don't know, I, I was going to say incompetent. I don't know if that's harsh. It, probably not. I think it's probably pretty accurate, actually. I think they're kind of incompetent. But their draft was good. They did get more talented. Um, again, Zach Wilson, he was a rookie last year, so he's had time to improve. This is another year you know, where he's coming into this year, he kind of knows, you know, the NFL better. He has that experience under his belt. We see a lot of quarterbacks make a little bit of a leap in the second year. So it's possible that Zach Wilson does make a leap. We've seen the potential. We, you know, we saw what people talked about before the draft. 
it's possible he lives up to that and we start to see a little bit of that with a second year jump for him. However, I think it's more likely that that won't really happen because historically, the Jets are not good and historically, these quarterback selections they make do not work out. Therefore, I think the five and a half number is pretty good. I think they're right around that uh, five game mark. Uh, what do you what do you think, Brandon? On that five and a half number, would you take the over or the under? I'm taking the under. I gotta agree with you. Um, and uh, look, the Jets are bad. They are not a good football team. Um, and I don't even think it has to do with coaching. I just think they are not set up to succeed. Uh, this team just doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. They did get three first round picks this year, so we'll see. You know, maybe those guys make huge, huge additions, and uh, you know they get a lot of PT and they play really well. But I, I am a doubter for sure. I do not have the Jets very high at all. Anything else you'd like to say in this division before we kind of wrap up the podcast today? We're always like this is going to be short, and then it ends up not being short. So you know this was a perfect length, actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll just add that like the Jets are they're building, right? They're clearly a year, two years, three yeah. years, theoretically. Uh, be, Trevor, you're being generous. They'll be ready in ten years, fifteen years, maybe. <laughs> maybe I don't know. But if you're a Jets fan, you're like you're not expecting to win eight plus games. You're expecting another year no. of growth. You hope to You're see. You're expecting improvement. You hope to see more signs from Zach Wilson. You hope to see some of this young talent. Yeah. Like if if Mackay Becton is awesome, he's like a an obvious Pro Bowler, like stuff like that. You want to see stuff like that that shows. Exactly. Okay, maybe in two or three years, maybe then we can make the playoffs. I agree. I 100 percent agree. Well, I think we'll, we'll wrap up there for today. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. Of course, we appreciate all the support across all of our podcasts, include 5 Seconds of Fame, which I talked about earlier, just debuted last week. We'll be podcasting on that for the next couple months. Please go subscribe um, to this podcast and that one so you can stay up to date. Follow us on Twitter, at the small baller, um, so you know when all those episodes come out. We do tweet about them. Um, but with that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons!